So Ruth is an actor, she's a poet, and I thought it'd be really good for her to read a, a poem on prayer. We're talking about the prayer of faith, so Ruth's going to start by reading a poem. We'll give her a massive round of applause when she's finished, uh, and then I will, I will carry on. Okay, you have to bear in mind that I haven't got my glasses, <laughs> and I can't see out of one eye. But Apart from that, fine. Okay. <laughs> a Sunday prayer. As I struggle through each day, it seems that I've forgotten you. As I search to find a way for all the things I have to do. Why do we keep looking down when you've given us a choice? Just to listen for the sound of our Saviour's still small voice. This day we set aside to be considering the things above. To open up our hearts to see truth about a God of love. Lord, take the fears we carry now. Cast them deep into the place where all that is forgiven us is hidden always by your grace. So I give this day to you, step outside of worldly cares, time to have my soul renewed, refuge who is always there, who sees the things I bear alone, who knows my every secret fear, the door of my eternal home. Lord, on this Sunday, meet me here. Amazing. Take a bow, Ruth. There we go. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's amazing. So, that was brilliant. Hopefully leads into what we're uh, talking about here. I'll just read the passage. It's right at the end of James 5. So what I'm trying to do today is to talk not just about the passage, but also to wrap up James as uh, a series before we move on to uh, Nehemiah. <coughs> the prayer of faith. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you ill? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. <coughs> so it's about prayer, really. <laughs> Um, Martin Luther, the great Protestant reformer, said, being a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Um, and like, I'm going to talk at some point t today about, I, like, prayer is probably the area of my Christian life where I, I am lacking the most. Like, I'm, I love talking about Jesus. I, I, I love sharing the gospel with people. I love being on stage. Talking to God in my quiet time is something that I, I, I don't do very well or as often as, as I should. So I just want to put it out there. There's no, there's no um, case here of, of me telling you to do something that I'm not doing. We're all on a journey together, and we're all at different stages, but this is about encouraging us. And the whole book of James is about encouraging this group of persecuted Christians that they actually are known and loved and secure in the love of the Almighty. So, the whole book of James is about a faith that matters. A faith that is transformative and transformational. It's not simply 
the belief of the demons. So earlier on in the book of James, right at the start of the book of James, he says, you say you believe in God. Well, great. Even the demons believe in God. So what? So James isn't talking about a belief in God so much as a faith that is transformative. Are we okay, Carly? Do we need someone? Okay, great. It was like the end of Shenandoah, that was, wasn't it? So, transformative faith is not simply a belief in God. It's something that impacts your entire life. Christian faith is not just meeting the minimal entrance requirements for heaven. Some people say to me, well, you know, I'll just convert on my deathbed. And lots of people do do that. God is gracious and, and loves you. And like, there's, you know, it's never too late. The thief on the cross converted at his death. But you're missing the point. The point of Christianity isn't to have a get-out-of-jail-free card. It's to have a relationship with the source of relationship, the source of love. And people do convert on their, on their deathbeds, but they've missed out on a whole life of joy and freedom and love. Christian faith is not just meeting the minimal entrance requirements for heaven. True faith is transformational. We've seen this played out over the last few weeks and months as we've gone through James. Faith matters. Transformational faith matters. It affects everything. It affects how you deal with suffering, how you interact with people, how you talk about people and to people, how you deal with conflict, how you cope with your anger, how you love the poor. All of that's culminated here at the end of chapter 5. James advocating a faith that is transformational. The primary message of the whole book of James is that you need to have, first of all, you need to have a personal relationship with the God who loves you. But guess what? You can actually have that relationship. Like, that's on offer. You can actually have a personal relationship with the God of the universe who created you for relationship. And it's good news, man. The more you spend time with God, um, the more you will find that your faith becomes transformational. And like any other relationship, see, prayer is one of those words that for those of us who have been raised in the church, and in the Anglican church in, in, in my case, prayer is something that has a lot of connotations. When I, th- when I hear the word prayer, I think of cold pews in a cold Anglican church, people on their knees, old women probably. But that isn't what prayer is. Prayer is chatting to God and letting him chat to you. We want to be able to unpack these terms. Like any relationship, the primary means of getting to know God is, is talking to him and letting him talk to you. Through his word, through, through the Bible, which is his good message to us, but also through our spirit. Like we can actually hear God's voice. You actually can hear God's voice. Lots of you would say, yeah, I know, I, I, have, I have heard you. I have heard his voice. Some of you would, would, would think, no, I don't know how to hear God's voice, but... It's, it's that still small voice that, that we've been hearing about there from, from Ruth. About a year ago, Carl and I were in one of the cafes in uh, Chesterfield. It wasn't Coffee Street, which is a shame. But um, we're in there, and um, we were talking about a, a, a quite a serious issue that only the leadership of RK uh, were aware of. And we were talking about this very particular chapter from this very particular book in the Bible, which related to the issue. And as we were sitting there, uh, we both get a, a text from, uh, a Facebook message actually, from, from Ann Taylor, saying, I've just been praying for you guys, and God says I need to give you uh, 
this chapter, and it was the chapter from the book that we were talking about. See, Anne didn't pray in that case to say, God, I need you to do something for me. Anne simply said, God, what do you want to say to me? I want to pray for Carl and for Andy and for the church. What is it you want to say? And the Lord put on her heart this exact chapter and book that we were talking about at the time. We can hear God's voice. And you can tell, you can tell the people who listen to God. You can tell by the way they talk to you and, and what they talk about. Who spends time listening to God? You, c- you can tell um, with me whether I've spent the day in prayer with the Bible or whether I've been on FIFA. Yeah, you can, you can tell by being with somebody what they do in the secret place. And we want to spend our time in the secret place listening to God. But it's not this, prayer's not a duty. This is the th- for me, this is so hard because I, part of me, I've so wired into me the belief that prayer is a duty. I've got to pray. Prayer is not a duty in the same way that speaking to the people you love the most isn't a duty. It's a privilege. Like Lisa and Dan Taylor, like, it's not a duty for you to sit next to each other and talk about your day. It might be Lisa saying it is. Okay, not a good example. Should have used uh, Laurie and Nicola instead. <laughs> Some of us think, oh gosh, I need to pray more. Oh, I'm not very good at prayer. I need to, I need to pray more. That's going to be a chore. But it's the wrong mentality. It's like saying when you're dehydrated, oh no, I need to drink some water. Like If you're dehydrated, the thing you really want to do is drink water. That doesn't feel like a chore. We need to pray. It is true that we need to pray more. But what is prayer? It's coming into the presence of the God who loves us. The person in the universe who knows us the most, loves us the most, actually knows what's best for us and wants to impart that to us. Like We can speak to God and he will listen. And he will speak to us. It's great to come into God's presence and say, Look, God, I've got some things I need to say to you and I want you to listen. That's brilliant. But that's only... That's half of the transaction. The other half of prayer is about saying, is about letting God say to you, okay, child, thanks for all of that. That's great. Now you listen to me because I've got some good things to say to you as well. Prayer is chatting. It's being in relationship. And maybe we need to just deconstruct some of this language. Are you, oh, you, you have to pray. I'm off to talk to God. I'm off to talk to the Lord. I'm off to listen to what he's got to say to me. And bear in mind, the voice of the Father is gentle. Not everything you hear in your mind is going to be God's voice. Like if, if you get up in the morning and you're on Facebook before you're in Philippians, well, not everything that comes into your mind. If you're, you know, binging YouTube rather than Yeshua, then not, that was quite a good one, then not everything you hear is going to be God's voice, which is why, but we, we, it's, a, it's a practice. The more we practice, the, you know, the more you recognize God's voice. But it's a privilege. Pete Gregg is a really uh, well-known British um, minister and, and, and speaker. He said this. He's really helpful on prayer. He said, I'm not into prayer. I'm into Jesus, so we talk. He says, I don't believe in the power of prayer. I believe in the power of God, so I ask for his help lots. He says, I'm not into evangelism. I'm into Jesus, so I talk to people about him. He said, deconstructing this language, which is... Not always 
attached to healthy associations for us. See, every relationship you have changes you for good or ill. Every relationship you have changes you. Again, as I said, you, you, can, you can tell who people have been hanging out with by the way they react towards you. I wouldn't want to live or die by this, but I heard somewhere that um, you become, your character becomes the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So the five people you're closest to becomes your average. So let's make sure that at least one of those people is Jesus. At least one of those five is Jesus. Maybe three of them, you could call it the Trinity. That, that's fine, three of the five of the Trinity. So the medium, the method of relationship with God is, is prayer. But not sitting quietly and trying to talk to this distant magic sky clown. But talking to the God who's put his spirit in you. And knows what you need before you ask it, but wants you to ask anyway, because that's what relationship is. So let's summarize so far. True faith is transformational. Transformation happens through relationship. And the medium or mode of our relationship with God is prayer. And, you know, God, God is patient. Like, he's so gentle. Like, God is love. And the first thing that love is in 1 Corinthians is patient. God will not force you to chat to him. He will not force you into relationship with him. He won't force you. He stands at the door and knocks. He doesn't crash in through the conservatory. He doesn't kick down the back door and burst into the kitchen. He stands at the door and knocks. He wants you to chat to him, but he'll, he'll be patient. And if we don't want to chat to him, we won't. He's not going to abuse us in that way. God isn't an abuser. So let's talk about the four P's of prayer. Place, posture, power, and persistence. First of all, place. What and when... When and what is the place of prayer? Well, the, the, the when is always, and the where is everywhere. So look at the first verses, you know. Is any of you in trouble? Well, well pray. Is anyone happy? Sing songs of praise. Basically, James is saying, whatever's going on for you, take it to God. Like, if you're struggling, come to God. If you're not struggling, come to God. Because that's still the best place to be. Psalm 16, verse 11. In his presence is fullness of joy. However you're feeling, whatever's going on, Come to God. He wants to hear from you. Some people in this room don't believe that God wants to hear from them. But the Bible disagrees with you. One of you is wrong. <laughs> no matter what's going on, bring it to God. There's no situation in your life where prayer isn't relevant. Do you want to know and experience true love? Well, speak to God because he is love. Do you want to live a good life? Well, come to God because he is goodness. Do you feel like you're walking through a valley of death? Well, speak to God, come to God, and he'll make a bed for you in green pastures. Whatever's going on, speak to him, chat to him. You don't stop being in a relationship with somebody the moment you leave a room. And again, this is for me, being raised, sort of raised in the Anglican church, as in that's where I was taken as a, as a child, um, is that it was sun we were Sunday Christians. Most, a lot of people are Sunday Christians. So God's in the church, but he's not elsewhere. And it's just nonsense. It's nonsense. You don't stop being in a relationship with somebody the moment you, you leave a room. If Simon, Teresa Cousins, if Simon goes out for a run or something, following you on Strava now, doing really good, mate. If Simon goes out of the room, Teresa doesn't think, oh, well, back on the market. <laughs> Christian connection details. 
You know, some, have you heard the phrase, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas? It's a horrible phrase. It's horrible. But it, people try and treat God this way. It's as though, oh, if I'm just, if I'm distant somehow from God, if I'm not in church, well, I don't need to chat to God or he can't hear me. Psalm 139 disagrees with you. One of you is wrong. It says, where can I escape from your love? If I go up into the heavens, you're there. If I go down into the depths of the sea, you're there. He's everywhere. But I said last time, we, we are overseen and not overlooked. Like, he's not there like a, some kind of driving examiner waiting to mark you down with minor faults. He's the source of love and he wants to lead you through the good times, celebrate you with with you in the good times and lead you through the bad times you know there's a time for everything but the person for every time is Jesus whatever the time is the person to be with is Jesus prayer get this right prayer is an authentic interaction about everything that's going on in your life and like you know I could ask any of you who are you you know who do you share the most with who who are you most authentic with oh well the, the people I'm closest to exactly Jesus wants us to be close to him because he's gentle. You know, <laughs> Jesus is the only person in the universe who is never overwhelmed by you and your problems. He's the only person in the universe that you can keep bringing the same problem to and he won't get bored. Now don't come to me more than three times, honestly. <laughs> I don't care if your coffee machine's broken again. But Jesus is the only person in the universe who who will never turn you away when you bring stuff to him. He will never feel overwhelmed. He'll never feel em- embarrassed. He'll never feel awkward. Talk to God. Talk to God. Talk to God. Begin where you are. He knows what you need before you ask it. But relationships are about communication. So, well, if God knows what I, s- I ask before I ask it, why do I need to ask it? Because you're in a relationship. Not a silent movie. You're in a relationship. Um, as you know, we're, we're buying Coffee Street, and, and the agency and the lawyers are, t- are taking, they're dragging their feet a little bit. But um, l- last, last week, um, we realised that we were £15,000 short of the money we needed up, up front. Uh, and w- we needed to sell something else and still do need to sell something else in order to have that money. So it was a bit of a problem, because I thought, oh, there's another buyer. I don't want to lose Coffee Street, because, you know, that's... That's it for me then. Um, so we're praying about it and asking other people to pray. And my mum, my mum, who's very prophetic, as in she, she hears from God really clearly, um, she sent me a text saying, I've been praying for you and God gave me, um, God gave me Psalm 44 verse 3. And Psalm 44 verse 3 says, It was not by their sword that they won the land, nor did their arm bring victory. It was your right hand, your arm, and the light of your face, for you loved them. And I got that, and it, it, was, it hit me like a direct message from God. I thought, okay, so whatever happens, like God's in this. Whatever happens, if we get this, if we get this money, it will be because of God, not because of us forcing it. So that was good. And then I was praying my, myself, and um, the, the thought that dropped into my head, the verse that dropped into my heart and, uh, and mind was Hebrews 6 verse 10. And I don't know what Hebrews 6 verse 10 says, so I just looked it up. Uh, because that's what God had put on my heart. Hebrews uh, 6 verse 10 says, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. And at that point, I just thought, 
Oh, yeah, well, we'll get it then. We'll get it. I don't know how it's going to happen, but we'll get it, of course. I believe that God has spoken to me through this, and so I trust that that's going to happen. And by the end of the day, um, we'd found somebody quite miraculously, actually, who, who is loaning us the, the £15,000, which is amazing in itself. But the, the, the most amazing thing about that was the peace I felt when I heard from God through his word. To know that he can speak to you and does speak to you and wants to speak to you. Like, that's a big deal. He knows you, he knows what you need and he wants to communicate with you. Again, it doesn't mean that everything you ask for will happen because it's not magic. Prayer's not magic. Lord, I just pray you'll open those doors now. Well, prayer doesn't work. It's not, that's not what prayer is. It's not wizardry. We're not Hogwarts. We're Redeemer King Church Chesterfield. I don't know if you realize that. So we begin where we are. We just talk to God. Talk to God. Talk to God. Talk to God. Tell him how you're feeling. Ask him what he wants for your day. Like, and ask him who he wants you to pray about. Like, God, who do you want me to pray for this week? Who do you want me to talk to this week? Who needs a, a, a lift up this week? And just see what he puts onto your heart. Someone might just drift into your mind. Well, go and, go and bless them in, in, in some way. So we did place of prayer, posture of pl- prayer. The posture of prayer is honest humility. So the place of prayer is wherever you're at. The posture is who you are. So you come as you are with humility. It's not about being false. Listen, I can't abide it. The falsity of... Like, one thing we really are getting really good at in this church is humility now one thing that we're getting really good at is being able to hurt publicly we are not a group of people who think that everything's okay or act like everything's okay we just know that no matter how bad things get we're not condemned we're not forsaken we'll never be left or forsaken by by God and that's why it's the gospel It's, it's good news it's not dependent on circumstances and you meet I remember when I was in uh like you meet you ever been praying with a group of people and there's always somebody who who like, has a different voice. A, their prayer voice is different to their normal voice. As though like, they're auditioning for a part in God's play. And like, they've come, and as though God wants to be impressed by how many words you know about him. Like, Father God, we come to you now. You are omnipotent, omniscient, omnivorous. You will eat anything, Lord. Like, when I was in Stoke, this is, this is true. When I was in Stoke, um, there was a, a guy in our church called uh, Norman, and we used to get to pray together. And, and Norman really annoyed me. Um, I was only quite a new Christian, but I remember it being annoying because Norman would never pray properly. He would simply use hymn lyrics. So he'd say, right, everybody, let's, let's pray. I'll, I'll start. Dear Lord and Father of mankind, forgive Ah, foolish ways, you are mighty to save, so we raise a hallelujah, everlasting God, shine, Jesus, shine. It was like that. It was honestly like that. And I got so fed up with this, I said to my, I said to my mate, look, I'm bored of this. This is not authentic prayer. Um, next time we pray, I'm going to start. Uh, if Norman can use song lyrics, so can I. So we got together. I said, right, let's pray. Norman, you sit there, mate. I'll start. Um, Father God, um, Tommy used to work on the docks. <laughs> The union's been on strike. He's he's down on his luck, Lord. It's tough. Oh, God, it's so tough. Now, that was naughty of me, and I wouldn't do that now, but what was even... Yes, I would. What was even worse 
was that Norman didn't realize that that was Living on a Prayer by Bon Jovi. And like three weeks later, he said, how's that mate of yours who works at the docks? Oh, yeah, he's doing fine. He's doing really well. Him and his girlfriend, Gina, they're having a great time now. So that's true. Anyway. So you come as you are. You speak. You don't have to put on a false voice. He knows what you sound like. Stop trying to style it out. Come as you are. You're happy, come as you are. You're totally drowning in sin and brokenness. Bring it! He's not embarrassed. He doesn't feel awkward. He doesn't feel awkward. He's not embarrassed by you. You might be embarrassed by you. You might be embarrassed by me, but you're not. But God isn't, so leave me alone. But the thing is, you've, got, you've actually got, you've got to bring it to him. This is the deal. You've actually got to bring your stuff. Uh, last year, my little girl, Heidi, we were on holiday, and she had this little cheap bucket from the seaside shop and, and the, the handle had become detached from the, the bucket bit and she came over to me she, and she handed me, uh, she handed me the bucket and kept the handle. She said, uh, Daddy, you fix it. I said, I will fix it. You're going to have to have the handle as well. She said, no, you fix it. But it wasn't, on, it was honestly, Heidi, no one wants to fix this more than me. I'm absolutely desperate to fix this bucket for you but I actually have to have all of it. She said, no. <laughs> fix it. It was true. It went on for about 30 seconds. The point is, like, we, God can't take from us what we refuse to let go of. He can't take from us what we refuse to let go of. Understanding who God is in prayer is so important. Like, Jesus starts the Lord's Prayer not with our master, our boss, our sky clown, our driving instructor, our father. Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this. Abba, Daddy. Speak to daddy. Raise your hands for daddy. Talk to him like that. You can't blag behavior in front of God, but he doesn't want you to. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are, well, what? Sorted? Like, doing pretty well, thanks. Just about holding it together. Weary. Come to me, says Jesus, all you who are weary, and I'll give you rest the creator of the universe has come to find you and would say to some of you, oh, you're so tired. You look so tired. Won't you, won't you come with me and I'll make a bed for you in green pastures. Won't you come to me and, and let me give you rest and respite and peace. I can't necessarily change all the externals, but I can change you. I can change how you are in this situation. Come to me, he says. You don't have to carry what you're carrying. You have to let me carry you. Uh, and again, like, it's been quite difficult to write this talk because I realized as I was writing it that, gosh, I've been really good for the last two years. I've been really good at praying for other people and like, hearing God's voice for other people. But I haven't really listened for myself. Because in these two years of marital separation since my wife left, I've been so worried about what God might say. I've refused to listen to his voice in case he said, mate, she's not coming back. Or even worse, maybe he'd say, well, this has all happened because you're an idiot. He wouldn't say that, obviously. The point is this, that I've hardened my heart to his voice. I've actually said, okay, don't, I'm, I'm here to talk, but I'm not listening to you about this. Don't talk to me about this. The problem is that it's the only person who's been affected is me. I've, I've, I've failed to come into the presence of joy and, and peace. 
And so choices have consequences. God's not angry with me for that. It's not morally wrong not to listen to his voice. But we, we suffer because we're, he is the source of water. We are dehydrating ourselves by not talking to him. What, so, you know, what's he going to say? We, I, we need to trust he's not going to condemn us or say stupid things to us. The voice, that there is a, an accusing voice, but it's not God's voice. The voice of the accuser is there to mimic what God wants to say to you. So why do we have to keep listening? Because we start to learn what someone's voice sounds like. So you might say, let's see what time we're on, because we've done a lot, we've fit a lot. Okay. You might say, I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to pray. Well, you do know how to pray, because you know how to talk, you know how to scream, you know how to yell, you know how to cry. So direct all of that to God. The Psalms are full of that. The Psalms are full of praise for God, and also, God, this is wrong. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, direct it to him. Direct it to the person. Again, it says earlier in James, direct it to the person, to the God who gives generously to all without finding fault. When you come to him, he might correct you, but he won't condemn you because he's the Lord. Verse 16, he closely links healing with confession of sin. Sin's a difficult thing. What do we mean by sin? Well, I think, again, to break down these terms, sin is really anything that we elevate above God in our lives. Anything that we put between ourselves and God. Sin isn't an act that makes God want to punish you. That's not what sin is. Sin is simply something that we elevate above God's place in our lives. It's something that we put between ourselves and God. So healing comes from confessing and accepting that we're not well. Really that we're not God. Confession is simply saying, God, I'm, I'm not you. <laughs> and you already knew that. But I'm here to tell you that I know that, I, that I'm not you. Any counsellor will tell you that the only character flaws which will destroy you are the ones you refuse to admit. The only character flaws that will destroy you are the ones you refuse to admit. Confession is so important. simply means being honest. That's what confession is, being honest about, about where you're not God. <laughs> so healing comes from accepting that we're not well. And we've said it before, but this is important. God's primary aim is not to fix your problems, but to heal your soul. His primary aim is not to change your circumstances, but to change you. So that whatever the circumstance, you're secure. Prayer is not about securing things from God, but about securing yourself in God. Prayer is not about securing things from God, but securing yourself in God. That's the primary purpose of prayer. We can intercede and, and ask for things, and God does bless. He loves to bless. But the primary aim is to make sure that we are rooted in that relationship. That's just talking to him. God's ultimate mission is not to fix your problems, but to heal your soul. Psalm 51, a broken and contrite heart he will not despise. It says, uh, confess your sins to one another. Because you know what? You can't, you can't do this journey on your own. You can't do it. You can't do it. You can't beat addiction on your own. You can't beat anxiety on your own. Some of you have tried and you failed. You can't do it on your own. That's why it's so important to be in a community of people. Confess our sins. We're not going to get people out at the front to say, so where have you gone wrong this week? That's not what it means, but just being honest with one another. With a community of people who will not judge you, will not condemn you, who know that they're just as broken as you are and want to point you towards the healer, the fixer. We can't fix problems, but he can. And so we're all really trying to point each other towards the cross where death loses. You can't beat these things on your own. 
finally, finally, the power of prayer. Um, there's been times in my life where I've stopped praying because I didn't see what the point was, because I didn't think that it was going to do anything. Again, part of that is that I was misunderstanding what prayer was. I saw it too much about securing things from God. But sometimes, w- I think some of you have stopped praying at the moment because you, you you're not sure that the prayer will do anything. But however we feel about prayer, what, and we don't understand it. Like we, we don't understand what's going on in the heavenly realms and the spiritual realm when we're praying. But the Bible tells us repeatedly to pray. It doesn't matter how you feel about it, just do it. Pray unceasingly and always in the power of the Spirit. Worry about nothing, pray about everything. We just do it. We don't have to understand it, but we just do it. And the very least that will happen when you're praying is that you'll find that that peace of being in, in fellowship with God and with other people. Verse 16, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And some of you might think, well, I'm not righteous. I'm not a good person. That's not what righteous means. Righteous means in right relationship. And if Jesus is your saviour, well, you are in the right relationship. That is the right relationship to be in. You're a righteous person in, in, in God's eyes. You are a righteous person in God's eyes. So your prayers are powerful, are effective. You might not think they are, but the Bible disagrees with you, and one of you is wrong. That's my new catchphrase, I think. Good, isn't it, that? Didn't expect to say that. Prayer's not a formula or an equation. In this, in this verse, it talks about prayer for healing. Now, it says, you know, people will put their hands on you and, and the sick person will be, will be healed. Now, two things to say. First of all, like, as a church, we do believe in healing because the Bible says that people will be healed. We do believe it. And we've seen it. We've seen it in this building. But people in our church have been miraculously healed. Joy Mawson was miraculously healed. What was it? What was it that was the issue? Was it the throat or something? Vocal cords. Yes. Joy was miraculously healed. Karen Northing was miraculously healed of a twisted knee. Um, just before Christmas, w- there was a guy who he's gone to Rotherham now. He's doing really well with the Lord, um, but um, he came to our church for a while before Christmas. And uh, one day after church, he. Um, he came up to Rich Old and myself around the corner, uh, and he was, he was broken. He was accepting his brokenness. He was confessing that he was just broken and he needed prayer. And we didn't really know what to pray, so we just put our hands on him, as it says we should do in the New Testament, and we just said, God, like, do something. God, come by your power and do something. And he was upset, but, you know, that can be psychosomatic. Anyway, two days later, he sends me this, this message. He says, how's this for a miracle? Andy, you and Rich prayed for my back the other day in church. And since then, I haven't needed my morphine patch anymore, and I'm getting no side effects from not having it on. Jesus has set me free, and I want to absorb as much as him as I can. Then later on, he says, I've just looked in the mirror, and even the curve has gone from my spine. I had a bent spine for two years. Today, I feel stronger and happier and taller than I felt in years. I can't wait to give my life to Jesus. I can't believe how much God has changed me. He said, I've just been into town for the first time in years. I haven't gone to the pub for a pint. I'm no longer a slave to my fears. I am a child of God. We believe it and we're seeing it. And we don't understand it, but we do it because we're told to do it. Now, the problem is, most people we pray for don't get healed. But that doesn't mean that we stop praying. 
Because if we stop praying, well, that curvature of the spine doesn't get healed. Karen's knee doesn't get healed. Joy's vocal cords don't get healed. We're not magic. We don't have special powers. We do what we're told to do. We pray for people in the power of the Spirit. Because, you see, and this is it. It's not a formula or an equation. And James is not trying to make it a formula or an equation. He's not saying, if you do A, then B will definitely happen. Because that's, that, again, that's regulation and rule. That's mechanism. That's not relationship. God deals with us in relationship. Most people we pray for don't get healed. But we, we pray in love. In love for God and in love for the person that we're praying for. And we just trust that actually... Like God is partnering with us. Bless Pascal, who was a philosopher, said, he lends to us in prayer the dignity of causality. Which basically means that God, like God's power, his power is at work in us. We don't have power, but his strength is made perfect in our weakness. Praying for someone you don't expect to get healed is your weakness and his strength. That's good, that's how it should be. But we pray with boldness. We can approach the throne of grace with confidence because we're his kids. He's not looking for actors in a play. He's looking for sons and daughters in his home. You are wearing royal robes that you may not deserve, but you're in them anyway. You actually are a messenger on behalf of the king, the king of the universe. This is good news. It doesn't matter if you don't understand it. We, we just do it. James 4, he says, you, you do not have because you do not ask. James 1, stop being blown by whatever tide of doubt is on your mind. Just pray. If someone gets healed, amazing, well done God. If someone doesn't get healed, well, still well done God. Because God's still who he is. We pray boldly, but the power is not in the boldness. You see some of these Pentecostal people shouting. Shout, and you now must be healed. And if I speak really loudly and confidently, then that means my prayer has more chance of working. No. The power is not in the boldness. The boldness comes because we're aware of the power. You pray confidently because of who you know you are in the sight of God and who you know himself to be. You can whisper a prayer and it has absolutely the same effect as, as shouting it. We're not trying to style it out. Because... The important factor when we're praying for somebody is not the strength of our faith, but the object of our faith, who is Jesus. He is the healer. We're not healers. He's the healer. And we trust him and we love him. Tim Keller says, In prayer, God will either give you what you ask, or he'll give you what you would have asked for if you knew everything that he knows. How about that? Whatever the situation, praying for healing or praying for your situation, praying for your finances. In prayer, God will either give you what you ask for or he'll give you what you would have asked for if you knew everything that he knows. And the problem, the reason we don't pray for people is because we're worried we won't see results. But that's our problem because actually we've been so corrupted by our society which is so results driven you have to achieve, you have to perform. God doesn't need you to perform. He doesn't need you to achieve anything. He just wants you to be in relationship with him. Because we're not trying to pass on success. We're trying to pass on love. 
We don't want Chesterfield to know that they can be successful Christians, but just that they can be beloved children of the King. Never left and never forsaken. So that's the power of prayer. It's not the strength of your faith, but the object of your faith. It's about him. Prayer is the gateway to the presence of God. Prayer is the gateway to the presence of God.